He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to this Anthony Irwin Show live edition here on Silver Skin and Rolls uh, Spaces. Thank you a bunch for joining me um, nice and early. I, this one this one filled up pretty quick. Uh, we have a lot to get to here. The uh, Lakers season is behind them, but the uh, rumor season is uh, <laughs> squarely in front of them. So we're going to discuss some of the coaching rumors some of the uh, leaks coming out of the Lakers situation as people try to pass blame on each other. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook's comments yesterday and how enlightening uh, those felt and and certainly were. So uh, a lot to get to. I'm bringing on uh, Aaron Larsoul. Let's see, uh, Aaron, are, did you did you update the audio situation? How are we doing? There? You got to tell me. Um... Hey, does it sound better? No, okay, sounds... so uh, yeah. yeah, I'm recording myself locally also in case we need that. But um, yeah, yeah, the wired headphones. Maybe that was the trick. I, I look, it's what I've been using all along. So uh, and it's and it seemed to work okay, even though I record myself locally as well. Um, we'll see. We'll see how AirPods, this all... Maybe the the set of AirPods I have. I got to get a new set of AirPods. Maybe those AirPods I had were just fucked. Maybe that's it. Also, that that might be it. You know. Um, they were more error pads than AirPods. 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 Error pods pro. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Man, that I got the air I got the AirPods Pro as well. And the the reason I got them was for this. And I now use the <laughs> the wired headphones. So the AirPods though, like the AirPods Pro are good for the Apple TV. And and seeing as I have a toddler running around, it's nice and I could just mute everybody around me and, and watch what I want to watch. So are, are you suggesting I don't have to record myself anymore and I can wander around my home? Yeah, you can wander if you're a wanderer. Are you are, are you on the I think better when I'm on my feet and wandering around, yes. Yeah, it, it depends on the on the conversation. I, I sometimes wander, but I've also been recording myself for so long that I just I guess I'm pretty good at just sitting still. Um, all right, let's, let's start, let's start with Russ because that is something you could, uh, definitively and actually talk about. I, I'm comfortable. We're not starting with Hennessy is delicious. Yeah, we can, we can get to Hennessy in a bit, but, uh, but there's a lot yesterday. And I thought one of the most kind of, maybe the most, uh, telling, um, quotes from yesterday from Russ was uh, when he was asked about his his play last season, and um, and and comparing that to how he felt it went. So here's what he goes: "Quote, just my play in general, not my best season. Just going off my own personal scale. Obviously, I'm coming off averaging a triple double. So anything less than that would not be a good season for me in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? So that's why the scale of where it comes from is a little bit different." Um, I think that's the kind of quote that sounds great to him in his ears. Uh, but as soon as you kind of take it within the context of the season, it did not come off um, as well to me. How did you, how do I'm, I'm not going to give my thoughts on it. I'm going to let you dive in first. How did you take that quote? And just in general, his, his exit interview. 
I mean, to be honest, I kind of took it the same way that you did. Um, I think that there is a chance for Russ to still be somewhere between a decent and good player in this league. But I think that that quote shows a or showed a lack of self-awareness that I think kind of has permeated all of this. Um, And look, Russ, the counting stats were down by Russ's standards, but they were still okay. But I think that's an old view, kind of an archaic view of what wins NBA basketball games. And I think that was, in some respects, the problem. Um, And we'll get into more of, of what Russ said, I'm sure. But yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think it was a great day for Russ. I don't think he came across particularly well um, in that. And you know, when when Russ is looking at it still, or when he says he is looking at how he played, not so much in impact stuff, but more as opposed to did I get my triple double? Kind of the the counting stats. I think it. Yeah, I don't I don't think Russ had a great day yesterday. I don't know that he cares, but I don't think he came across particularly well yesterday and maybe his reliance on did I get points, rebounds and assists um and if that's how he's looking at the success or lack of success in his season, I think maybe some of that speaks to like some of the the problem in his game and some of the problem in his ability to fit, right? Because a lot of the the guys that have done well, the guys that have played well, or the guys that have fit well around LeBron and, and AD in the past, um, it hasn't been about their points, rebounds, and assists. It has been about what are we doing to fit in, and how do you impact winning. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think Russ came out of there smelling like flowers. I guess is is how I would put it. Well, nobody, nobody in the Lakers organization is smelling like flowers. I think maybe like he's like, maybe Austin Reeves smells a little flowery. I would say Malik Monk, you know, has, a, has a flowery tin, you know, like a, a, a tangent of flowers to him. Um, beyond that though, there are not very many people who, who left this season smelling particularly well. See, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, uh, I think, I think Stanley Johnson in a lot of his, oh yeah, his, yeah, his, no, his, his, he did really well yesterday. Yeah, yeah, but but that's been. I mean, even in his conversations with True, um, like you know, even if it's just interviews or when he's done walkoffs or even pregame, postgame stuff, rather, I think he has acquitted himself very well. And look, some of it may be lip service because all of these guys have media training and do know what to say or should know what to say if they care. But I think Stanley was the guy who very specifically understood his place in the world, in the NBA world, and was also very appreciative of the opportunity he got, but also was very straightforward about this wasn't good enough, and we weren't good enough, and I wasn't good enough, and we got what we deserved, we got what we earned, and if I'm back, I'm going to be better, and I hope my teammates are going to take that same mentality. So I think I think Stanley does come off smelling like roses here. Yeah, he he seems to get it. I want to go back to Russ, though. And so this is something that, especially, like it was kind of forced upon us in in the experience of rooting for a Russell Westbrook team. 
Um, players' interests aren't always aligned with fan base interests. And uh, I think the habits that a player can develop in terms of what they, what they value over the course of their career can often be very different from what fans kind of expect of them, right? It's, it's easy for fans to say, hey, we expect uh, you, know, you, you to do what's best for the team and sacrifice for the team and do all these things for the team. But it's a lot easier for a fan to say that um, than it is for a player to actually make said sacrifice. And I think for Russ, over the entirety of his career, the counting stats have kind of defined him. And uh, he won an MVP because of the triple-double thing. And, and I think if you have spent your entire career being rewarded for that approach, it's really hard in year whatever it is. It was like 13 or 14 for him. Uh, it's really hard for him to just change and just automatically flip to, I'm going to do the little things. And we saw Russ isn't the only example of this on the Lakers roster, by the way. For the entirety of the team, it was really difficult to watch guys like Melo, guys like Russ, guys like LeBron and AD, and 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 um, so on and so forth, be asked to do the little things. Frank Vogel talked about this. David Fisdale talked about this, um, and and I think and I think Carmelo Anthony even talked about this. That we were stars. We had other guys to do the little things for us. We were it, the, the the basketball equivalent of grabbing coffee was usually taken care of on teams that they were uh, out there playing for. And and I think for Russ, like this is where again, I don't think he came off very well yesterday, but if if you look at it through the prism of the way that he views the NBA because of the experiences that he has and the things he's been re- been rewarded for, him saying, yeah, I didn't average a triple-double, therefore, that's why that was a bad season by my standards. Not that, yeah, the Lakers won 30-some-odd games, and therefore, that's why this was a bad season for me personally. So, like, I, I, I almost felt bad in a sense that this is what this guy has been trained to expect of himself, and and that anybody expected anything other than not just his approach throughout the season, but also in terms of his response and reaction to the season. I'm not going to go out and say it's unfair because I think that's too strong in the other direction, but it was certainly unrealistic. And, and like, I, I, I guess, you know, this is something it, Russ at this stage of his career feels like Carmelo Anthony at the stage of his career before he was out of the league for a little bit where Melo was asked, hey, could you ever see yourself coming off of the bench? And he like laughed off the question, right? And, and I think Russ is probably heading in that same direction where some team is going to ask more of him in ways that he is not used to, quote-unquote, producing, when his definition of production is this, this thing over here, and what is best for the team is this, this thing sitting over here, and either he's going to have to adapt or he's just going to be out of the league. And I thought yesterday it was almost you know like a Shakespearean flawed character who was out there trying to explain why their mortality at the end of the play took place through the prism of their own flawed characteristics. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yes, it does. Um, like I'm going to channel, I'm going to channel my Darius here. I see Darius in. In, in the spaces here, I'm going to channel Darius and say yes and no. Because, yes, it makes sense. And you're right. 
but this was always my and a lot of other people's concern with or hesitation about it to begin with because there is a reason Russ feels like he feels and I think people that are not maybe around it as much as some of us are often forget or don't put enough weight on the human element of this or the human nature element of this and there's a reason Russ feels like he feels and the reason is because he is an all-time great whatever you think of his game whatever you think of him Russ is he was just named one of one of the best 75 players ever Russ is a hall of famer and all-time great and he got there because of because Russ is not as talented as a lot of these other guys Russ got there because of his force of will and his athleticism and him doing it his way. I was going to (laughs) say, the guy's guy's 6'3 and can jump and touch the top of the nosebleed section. Sure, but but, but, but you're talking about a different different kind of talent. But no, but Russ isn't as talented as Kyrie or Steph or, I mean, like... Skilled, skilled. He's not as skilled as Steph. He has made it, and by the way, he wasn't like Steph. He wasn't one of those... Like, I mean, he went to UCLA out of high school, but he wasn't some five-star recruit. He has made his way in the NBA because of his force of will. He's obviously a great athlete. His ego, anybody that gets to the level he's gotten to is their ego. And he plays the way, he plays a certain way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his success is because of that, because he is inflexible and unwilling to change. And will, because of his force of will, I'm going to do it my way and dominate you. And so it is understandable why, and he was drafted in, I think it was 08. And one of the best 75 players in NBA history, it is understandable why he has been inflexible because it works because it has worked. Has it worked for all of his teams? Not necessarily. Has it worked for him? Yes. So it is understandable why he is so dogmatic and so obsessive and so tied to his way. Did that work for the Lakers this year? No, absolutely not. Will it work for the Lakers next year if he's on the team? I don't know. Will it work for whatever the next team is? I don't know. But it is, I think we're doing a disservice to Russ and to how all of this works if we don't take the human aspect of it into account or the human nature aspect of it. I understand why Russ is the way he is because it's worked for him. And I think he... Probably, I'm not going to psychoanalyze him here, but I think he probably only knows one way to play. And because he has had such positive reinforcement in the form of an MVP, in the form of a lot of regular season Top wins, yeah. in the form of being a Hall of Famer, like there's an, it is understandable why he is so tied to and why he is so aggressive about his way. I don't think it is the best way to win basketball games in 2022, but I understand it. Yeah. I, I, to be clear, I'm explaining, like I'm explaining the behavior from, from what I saw, right. I'm not excusing it. Like to be absolutely clear, what the Lakers needed from him was to be more flexible. I, you know, again, I just come back to, this is why he wasn't more flexible. This is why it was always kind of ridiculous to expect him to be more flexible. He's one of the least... As it relates to the Lakers, I think that is the most important point. Yeah. Because, and you and I talked about this offline before the trade happened, there were ways in which it could work. 
there were ways in which it could fit rim pressure, taking a little bit of the burden off LeBron, Mm -hmm. the bigger, faster, energy, stronger energy stuff, the bigger, faster, stronger. That one was a big factor in winning the Lakers, the title in 2020. There were ways in which it could work. I don't think that was the miscalculation. I think the miscalculation was thinking that Russ may be able to adjust. And he said all the right things and claimed that him and LeBron and AD talked about it, but there wasn't any evidence of that. It could, it was possible that it could, but I think it was more hope and wish than actual evidence that any, and to be fair, any of them, AD, LeBron and Russ were going to adjust to make it work. LeBron is the best problem solver, in my opinion, in the history of the NBA, but he is also in the most high leverage moments, kind of a heliocentric, I'm going to dominate the ball. And I think he should. Mm -hmm. So there were reasons why it could work, but there wasn't any evidence that any of them were going to adjust enough to make it work. Is AD going to play center full time? That's probably what it's going to take. Is he saying he will? Yeah. Do we have any evidence he will? Probably not. Like, is LeBron going to do the things he needs to? LeBron is pretty malleable as a superstar. Russ, like, he has only played one way his entire life. So could it work if he is willing to shift? Yes. But is there any evidence he's going to or he's willing to? I think that was the miscalculation. Yeah, I I, I think... Look, Darius, who is listening, he, he wrote a really good article for, for um, Silver Screen today um, on what is or isn't fair to hold uh, Russ directly accountable for. And, and I think, and I've fallen, I've fallen into, the, uh, into the blame game issue here myself when it comes to Russ, but I think like, when it comes to like, why didn't this work and why is this the way that it is, um, I, I think yesterday highlighted a lot of yesterday and the night before because AD did his exit interview the night before. I thought yesterday really kind of explained the season within the parameters of of the way an exit interview could, right? Where where everybody is giving their responses, they're there by themselves, they're they're answering questions that are being asked of them. And I think the way that everybody went about it, like there was there was a theme yesterday, right? Everybody was willing to say, yeah, th- this season fell well short of expectations. Um, w- this was a failure. This was a da- disaster and all this. And this is how I'm holding myself accountable. And and I think for the most part, that was kind of the central theme of everybody's exit interviews. Um, and the only two people who, who weren't on that train was uh, DJ Augustine, who basically said like, <laughs> I, I just, just showed, showed up, up guys. guys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I just got here. I just got here, brother. I don't know. I just worked here. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, I got I got to the party and the roof was already on fire. Like they're letting that MF or burn. I didn't do it. Um and then and then the other one was Russ. And and I think you know when you when you look at this season and the way that it played out, um again, Everybody is identifying accountability, which means that there is accountability to go around. AD not being able to stay healthy. And it was was freak injuries, but when he was healthy, he shot 18% from three-point range. That's something within his control. Whether or not he lands on somebody's foot or somebody dives into his knee, that's something AD can't control. But, uh, you know, starting the year at power forward and uh, playing alongside DeAndre Jordan, that was within the Lakers as an organization's control. Uh, LeBron James uh, and, and his kind of 
at times inattentiveness on defense uh, was within his control. And that's something that probably hurt the Lakers as well, you know, and, and, and there were, uh, there's any number of things that you could point to here. Rob Palenka said that uh, at the end of the day, the accountability on, on personnel decisions, that sits squarely on my shoulders. Well, okay, that means you failed, Rob. That roster sucked. And, and if it's Frank, Frank didn't do an exit interview yesterday, but knowing the way that Frank operates, I'm sure he would sit there and tell you, yeah, there were some things that if I had to do it over again, I would have tweaked. I wouldn't have started Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan at the beginning of the year. Um, I would have tried to find ways to see what we have in Austin Reeves and, and some of the younger guys a little sooner. Rob himself would maybe say that he would have tried to find younger guys sooner. But at the end of the day, the only person from the Lakers organization who had the opportunity to take accountability and didn't was Russ. And that's why, like, not not beyond him saying, like, you know, they didn't let me be me. And I felt like I had to prove myself all along to Frank Vogel. And that was kind of weird to me. Like beyond the impact that those quotes might have on the Lakers, it the, the general approach to the sport is, is to me the kind of final nail in the coffin of his tenure as a Laker. I, I just don't see how um, quotes and everything else beyond uh, yesterday, I just don't see how he can return. There's just no way. And uh, you know, you and I, Aaron, have talked quite a bit about this and that the Lakers have already gone through a variety of scenarios here and options to get this guy off of the roster. Um, but I thought yesterday should have only intensified that. Do, do you, I would imagine the Lakers, I thought it was really telling slash hilarious that for like 20, 25 minutes or so, the only uh, video of exit interviews that didn't go out right away from the Lakers uh, Twitter account was Russ's. It was, it was just perfect. The, the way that everything played out yesterday was just this perfect amalgamation of the season. And, and again, it, 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 to me, perfectly summarized why this guy can't be back. This, this, this relationship can't continue forward. So I'm not going to speak on that specifically because <laughs> Hennessy is delicious. Yeah. However, you know, you and I have, you, you mentioned the conversations that you and I have had. Um, and that the Lakers have been looking for options. Right. Um, but it's not just Russ, it's everything. Right. And, and Rob said it yesterday about leaving no stone unturned to try to get this going in the right direction. It wasn't good enough this past season. Lakers fans deserve better. Lakers fans have higher expectations. The front office and ownership has higher expectations. Uh, so it's not about Russ specifically. It's about everything. It's about making changes to get it in the right direction for everything. So it's not about, you know, trading Russ specifically. It's about everything. And yeah, again, Russ didn't come across great, but that's Russ. And Russ is Russ is a really good dude. However, that stubbornness that he showed um, in his comments yesterday, at his exit interview, that's him. That's him on the court and that's him off the court. That is separated from the human being he is because he's a, he's a really, really great one. But that stubbornness, that ego, that drive, that all of that comes from the same place. So I'm not sure I was surprised by Russ's comments yesterday, but you're right. It like it didn't, in my opinion, he did not come across as particularly self-aware or it didn't come across great. But that's Russ. And it's not about him being a bad dude because he isn't. 
It's about no. that like singular focus and force of will. And I'm doing this my way because my way works. And I, I think it was just kind of an extension of that. So I don't, I wouldn't call it like all that surprising or disappointing. Again, it, I don't think he comes across great because I think it shows a lack of self-awareness, but maybe that lack of self-awareness is what has led him to all of these great heights as a basketball player. So yeah, I, I agree. Doesn't sound great and doesn't look great, but that's Russ as it relates to him as a basketball figure, not as a human being, not as a guy, because he is one of the best and he is, he's really well liked. Um, I'm going to add people to this uh, because I'm sure people have their thoughts on Russ as well. This just coming across really kind of sucks as a kick in the balls. Gilbert Gottfried apparently just passed away. That sucks. Oh, man. Man. Damn. damn. Oh, man. Right, well, RIP Gilbert. That guy, that voice, man. That like that's that dude is one of the funniest people that, that I have like ever encountered. That guy is fucking hilarious. I've always found him really funny. Um, segue awkwardly away from that back to Russell Westbrook. Shab, I'm going to start with you. I pretty much know your stance on Russ. Um, how did you take in yesterday? Uh, appreciate it guys. Um, great to hear from you guys. You guys said a lot of great points there. Um, yeah, man, I actually hosted a space last night, uh, just on this exact topic. Um, everyone's exit interviews and I think Aaron hit it on the head. I, I, you cannot be surprised, um, at the result of what you heard. Um, you know, that was him all along. I think the main question, like, you know, his fans were asking is like, well, what do you want him to say? And knowing this, this would be the last time we'd hear from Russ, you know, you, you would hope that he would, um, you know, exit a little bit gracefully, but you know, th maybe like Aaron said, maybe he just doesn't care and he's maintained and been consistent on how he's, you know, approached the media and approached these questions, um, you know, all season. Um, and so again, it, it, we weren't surprised, but again, it was just a more disappointment. And that was for me, like you said, the, the final nail in the coffin, because um, I've tried my best to have a neutral opinion on Russ, but when he speaks on himself, and he's this is kind of self-inflicted wounds, not the narratives that are talking. It's very hard to like turn the other, turn the other way, as you know, like Laker fans have been trying to do all season. Um, I gathered a ton of ton of quotes, you know, from from what was being said. The one thing I'll start out with is just like um, he talks about, you know, I own my personal performance, trying to figure it out, but I'm the only one who can scale that because of the way I'm supposed to perform and the way I know I can help a team out. So basically, he's saying. Um, you know, no one else can tell me, you know, how to play or what to play um, because I'm the only one who can judge that. Well, that's a reflection of not listening and, and, and goes into not adjusting at, at all. And the counting stats that we're talking about that he talked about just goes to show you that it, it, is that really how his mind thinks when he when he talks about adjusting and doing different things. But when he speaks about his play on the court, you, you can sense that he speaks in generalities. And of course, if you've been watching basketball, they all speak in generalities because they don't want to get to, you know, the on-court stuff and what they discuss. That's all great. But when he talks about, I know what I can do to help a team win. I've always made a sacrifice, you know, every stop I've made. That's not necessarily the case because if you're judging yourself on triple doubles, you've averaged a triple double, you know, for the last three or four seasons, but you're saying you make a sacrifice, but you're, you're not. So, that that just caused so much confusion to everyone, you know, listening. And, and the, the next thing I'll say, and then I'll pass it for sure, is the Frank Vogel champagne story was was <laughs> so was so fuming to me. It was so 
did, like, like you guys were saying, did not come off the way he expected at all. Um, to prop yourself up as, you know, a person who does good deeds, who doesn't want any attention, um, and to say, you know, you gave a champagne bottle when you first got to the team for Frank and his wife's anniversary, and then to say, I don't know what his issue was with me, is, is extremely baffling. The entire Laker Nation, the entire, some of the coaching staff based on reports and analysts and, and regular people, everyone wanted to bring this man off the bench at one point in the season, make him a sixth man or seventh man because he wasn't playing up to par. But Frank Vogel, through 80 games, started him every single game. And we saw that report too. But, but beyond everything, he didn't like, he, he didn't bench him. And he did bench him for those three games in the fourth quarter, but that was due to be how we had to win. But he didn't. He started him every single game and gave him that respect. And for him to come out and say, I don't know what his issue was. I felt like I had to prove myself at all times when he got benched three to five games is just is just Bush League to me. And so I just, I just overall just really disappointed, like you guys were saying. Yeah, the whole like it, it felt like I had to prove myself all season. Yeah, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like. He he is going to have to prove himself all over again next season uh, with whatever team he's on there if if they're inclined uh, to win as well. I thought like the a hilarious moment yesterday too was when when uh, I oh, man I, I forget who it was who asked him about it, um, but they asked I think it was Bill Oram uh, asked Hey, you know how how does it feel? You know you probably had expectations because this was a team that you probably dreamed of of of. Uh, playing for one day as a kid and you know Russ basically you know just kind of shot down the premise of it when we have quotes of him literally saying this is a dream of his come true to play for his hometown Lakers um and then and and then you know it's just like it's that that I don't know the the combativeness without a real purpose there like the the point of of bringing it back to that is to again add the human element to the question and and to find that that place to relate to the athlete, because look, I, 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 we all—if you guys are listening to this—I'm sure for the vast majority of you guys, you are Lakers fans. When we were all growing up, we all wanted to play for the Lakers, and and if we were to go and play for the Lakers, and for all of us in here, it would be a disaster because we all aren't on that level as basketball players, and we. <laughs> Like if we were if we were if we were to all go and play for the Lakers and have our hometown crowd booing us to the point that like you can't take your family to the games anymore, that would suck. That would not be fun. That would not be a great experience. And like all the all the reporter was, and I'm pretty sure it was Orm. Um, all he was doing there was trying to make that question more relatable. And instead of 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 finding that common ground and, and approaching that question in that way. It's the it's the same old like it's the same old bullshit where it's just yeah I, no no you don't understand where I'm coming from you can't understand where I'm coming from and like sure for the most part I'm not there is nothing that Russ and I have in common I could not wear a single one of the outfits that he wears out in public and not look like no, a hold on of course before. no of course you could look people talk to me about all maybe yesterday maybe yesterday all the weird stuff I wear too or the bright stuff I wear <laughs> yeah. and somebody asked me about it and I said the man who I saw this quote the man who says he can and the man who says he can't are both right so right. I, maybe you can't wear them just because you've decided you can't go ahead yeah. and decide go ahead and go ahead and get that taco meat out go ahead and, no. and undo <laughs> some buttons man if no. you say you can you can 
No, nobody but, needs to see that. But, nobody see, nobody on planet Earth needs to see that. But let me, let me, let me, because it's important to me to give context to all of this and not to defend Russ because uh-huh. no, as I said, very I'm here for every angle on this. And, and eventually, said, I'm gonna, I want somebody right. who is pro Russ to no, give their no, comments. No, 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 on no, 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 because right. as you know, internally, I advocated against the trade. Yeah, And I've told everybody here, I didn't think it was a good idea. However, to be fair to Russ, as it relates to the human element of all of this, which I think is really important and we sometimes forget, a lot of these guys that run hot, right, that, that uh, whether it's Russ or Pat Bev or Draymond, right, that get tees, all, even Luca. Right, who has a million tees and got one rescinded, so he was allowed mm-hmm. to play in the season ending in game eighty-two, in which he he hurt his calf. So maybe he didn't want that that tee rescinded. I don't think it is for these guys that run hot and who need that to fuel them. I don't know that it's fair as a human being to ask them to turn it off. Right, like it's when you need that motivation and when you run that hot and that is what propels you as a basketball player. Um, I don't know that it's fair to ask them to say, okay, just leave that right there. Just leave it in between the lines because that's not how it works. Right? Like NFL players are the, the football is inherently a very violent sport played by very violent people. And so to ask them to like turn that part off when you're not on the, that, it seems like an unfair ask. Russ runs hot. He's aggressive. He's, he plays angry and all of that has led him to where he is. Right. So to just think that when he steps 20 minutes later, when he steps off the court, that's going to be like not part of his, him as a human, even though he's a really good dude to expect that to not be a part of his personality when he gets kind of aggressive or combative or, you know, when he has little run-ins with media or fans, et cetera. Like, I don't think that's a fair ask. I, and Aaron, I completely agree with all of that. I mean, I, you I, can always not be an asshole. That's always an option. It's an option. I, I think, Aaron, you're absolutely right. I think for me, it was just like, if you're going to be aggressive and fiery, because we've prepared for that all season, we've seen that for 80 games, at least, like, try to make sense in what you're contextualizing when you're speaking. And when you see the fallacies in what he's saying and how it doesn't really line up, he can talk with all the aggression he wants and it looks great. And he's standing up for himself, which I, I wanted him to do. Cause I'm sure there's a side to his story that he want people to hear. I think when he spoke up about, um, you know, not getting a fair shake from the organization, you know, people telling him, you know, kind of good luck and figure it out, you know, outside the basketball court, you know, that was fair. You know, you could you could speak on that, that. That's your take on things. And that's how you felt. And no one can take that away from you. But when you start talking about the on-court stuff, the expectation, you know, there was the triple-double. Um, you know, I, I understand what people want, um, you know, number numbers-wise, expect out of me, the media, things like that. And when things don't add up that way, you know, sometimes the aggression runs out and people are going to second-guess you because things are not adding up. And, and I want to preface by all this by saying the only reason we're talking about this and ending up like this is he didn't play better. If he played better, all these comments would matter less, simply put. So I w- you're, you're 100% right. I would just say I think that the how he interacts with the media stuff doesn't matter. Right. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't good enough as a basketball player, and he did not have the self-awareness to recognize why he wasn't contributing to winning 
And I think he didn't come across well yesterday with his comments about that. Right. But I just think that that is the only part that really matters. Him not getting along with the media or kind of being combative or combative or snarky. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. He wasn't good enough as a basketball player. Period. And period. And in my opinion, a lot of that is because the way that has worked for him, quote unquote, for a long time, and the way he sees the game isn't a modern take on what wins NBA games in 2022. I think all of that is fair. I just think the the rest of it, the the press conference stuff, I think is a red herring. Um, I want to bring on uh, Titus, you've been waiting, and KB Brown, um, you've been waiting. So I'll start with you, Titus. Um, not to make this like a sides kind of thing, because I think that's the most boring way to, to approach this, but um, like with, with Russ's comments and... Especially because, like Aaron, I I I somewhat disagree with Aaron in saying that like expecting somebody to turn off that fiery aspect of themselves um, is is somewhat unfair. I kind of disagree there. How 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 do you approach that with athletes who are asked to you know the way that they interact with people on a day to day basis is clearly not the way that they interact with people that they play with on the, on the court. Is asking them to turn that off fair or unfair? I think it's pretty uh, – I think it's fair. Well, it's like this. When people show you who they are, believe them. I mean, the guy has been known to have altercations on and off the court with fans. And just his personality as a whole, man, is just, it's just way off. And to ask somebody – he's been doing this since he got into the league. And to ask him to do that is just kind of, kind of, you know – off so i would agree that it is fair that's that's my perspective on it and to uh not try to change the subject but i would like to know please guess- please change the subject <laughs> aaron you're about to start sipping hennessy in a second if we change the subject so the fuck you mean this about to start that's true <laughs> i just want to get you guys just taken i'm gonna hop off here man um i watched laker nation with trevor lane and there was some interest in a possible a possible destination between the Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets for uh, Buddy Hield and Malcolm Brogdon, and for Charlotte, I believe they're willing to give up Gordon Hayward and uh, Terry Rozier. Which package would you consider would be more beneficial to our team? And you know, or if there's another team that you guys heard that he might be traded to. So I'm interested to get you guys' take on that. And I uh, love the show, man. And Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak. Uh, well, for me, it's it's Indiana's. I'm 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 probably as close as it gets to a a, a Brogdon stand. Like that's a I think that's the, one of the more sad combinations of two words out there. Is I'm a Brogdon stand, but I, I just really like that he can shoot. He can operate with a few dribbles here and there, and you, it allows LeBron to be on the ball while he has a point guard who can help when LeBron is off the court. Um, the only issue is that the injuries concern is, is really concerning. And given the fact that I don't think we can predict more than like 60 or so games from LeBron and maybe 60, 65 or, or so from, from AD, maybe moving forward until proven otherwise, uh, you know, that's that I, I would prefer to go with the Indiana one, but either way, like if you can get a positive player, and move off of Russ's contract, then that needs to be the the preferred move here. Um, 
Shove, I, I, well, Aaron, you probably can't talk about specific players, right? So, so I, I cannot. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll shove. I'm gonna, I'm gonna one. stay away from myself getting myself and yeah. uh, Lakers tampering fines, hey, yeah, especially after Magic <laughs> has been, you know, Magic didn't cost the organization about fifty million in tampering fines. I'm gonna stay away from right. it. So, uh, yeah. shove. Which one? Uh, the the uh, Charlotte one or the Indiana one? Listen, I think the yeah. Charlotte has more upside. I think Indiana feels right. like the safer bet. The Indiana safer bet, and I uh, literally, I think for all the reasons you pointed out, Anthony, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? And just to reiterate, I, I know the report's a little hazy to me, but are we choosing like a two out of three between Brogdon, Turner, or Heald, or are we just talking Brogdon, Heald? Because um, I know Turner was kind of discussed, um, you know, maybe in February or something like that. But if Turner's on the table, you know, that's that's a given right there. I don't think he's on the table. I'd be okay, shocked. so, so I'd be, God, I would be I, absolutely shocked. What am yeah. I doing here? Um. I would, I would guess, I don't know this, or at least I'm going to say publicly I don't know this, but I would be surprised if Indiana was wanting to move on from Turner, right? They yeah. just traded, they traded Sabonis, so right. I would be surprised if, uh, if Miles Turner was, was available. Right. So if we're looking at just a straight backcourt, we're getting a backcourt, like simply put. And, you know, guys that can shoot. I just Brogdon's game. It's he's just so steady. He like he is the definition of a point guard doesn't do too much. Like you need a serviceable point guard uh, next to LeBron. And, and that's who it was. I remember years ago, you know, the reports and stuff like LeBron really likes Eric Bledsoe's game. And, you know, back in his prime, he was just that steady pl- kind of player, you know, could do everything well. At, at a serviceable level. And I think Ma- Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon does that to a T. He has such a feel for the game, and that kind of IQ next to LeBron is going to give him that playmaker that, you know, can relieve him, you know, throughout the first, second, and third quarter. So I think that's a no-brainer. Buddy Hill already wanted to come here. Rob, Rob already wanted him here. Um, and, you know, that, that's just a no-brainer if that can go through. Uh, Indiana's kind of line of thinking here. You know, I've been hearing people in a rust trade, all they want back is kind of cap flexibility. And if for teams that might already have cap, cap flexibility, the um, the motive to trade for us maybe not be all, all the way there. But, you know, um, I, I think it, it would be a dream come true, a dream scenario for us. I told, it costs two needs. One thing I can say, I guess. I <laughs> don't want to push you, Aaron. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Um, <laughs> there, there are two teams in the history uh, of the tax of uh, does anybody know who the two teams that have never paid the tax 28 teams have paid the tax. There are two teams that have never paid the tax. One of them is the New Orleans Pelicans. They don't matter in this discussion. The other one, one Charlotte, the other one's Charlotte. Wow. So it may not be about cap flexibility in if Russ is going to get traded to somewhere. It may not specifically about be about cap flexibility, it may be about minimizing long-term, uh, long long-term obligations for long-term money for for another team. So right, and, and and I wanted to throw back to you guys and just ask, you know, with Lamelo and then Halliburton on both sides, is it a real possibility that you know if Russ gets traded, you know, they're looking to waive him and then you know kind of restructure what's next for his career? Um, because a lot of people are talking they don't want you know those young guards' growth to be stunted. Um, although, you know, basketball fit, you know, those GMs can decide what they want to do with Russ. I, I would think, guess that I, I would guess if somebody bas- is going to trade for Russ, it is less about him as a basketball player and more yeah. about him as a contract. Though I think he does I think he does fit better in Indiana than he would in Charlotte, right? For the exact stuff that you just talked about. Like Lamelo needs the ball. 
Um, they have a more traditional center in Plumley, so that makes it tough to get Russ the space necessary to to let him like really do his thing, um, if that is even something that is possible in t- 2022. But in Indiana, you have Turner who can space the floor a little bit better. Maybe Russ uh, is allowed to be closer to Russ in Indiana where he can just dominate the ball at all times and he might have enough people to help box out for him to where he can go back to the, uh, you know, the stat compiling that, that he has been really, really good at over the course of his career. So I, I think in terms of basketball sense, I think the, the Indiana one makes a, a little more sense than, than Charlotte, but in both of these cases, it's not about basketball. It's about for Indiana, uh, re- resetting their books a little bit and and getting into a rebuild while still putting butts in seats in the way that Russ might be able to. And then for Charlotte, it's getting rid of Gordon Hayward's disaster of a contract and getting rid of Terry Rozier's four-year 80-something million contract um, in advance of paying LaMelo Ball and pray, paying Bridges um, and, and the rest of the younger guys on their on their roster who they want to pay but don't want to go over the luxury tax to pay. That's that's my reading of, of both those situations um, as they stand right now. Both those trades, I think, help the Lakers, but they come with risks too. Uh, KB Brown, I know you've had your hand up this this the <laughs> the entirety of the last like 15 minutes or so. Um, before we move on to the coaching stuff here, I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts on uh, Charlotte versus Indiana, or if you want to go back to talking about Russ's quotes yesterday, um, if you want to go, if you want to touch on, I know I just tweeted out before we went live here, um, a quote from, uh, heavy.com about, uh, Rambus apparently ripping into Frank in front of people and not behind closed doors. Um, there's plenty to talk about here. I'll give you the floor. Okay. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I mean, just to go for just like an overall spectrum of just the season, just from a fan from the outside looking in. I mean, just watching how the Lakers played, the camaraderie, energy, I mean, effort, body language. I mean, it was the, that was probably the worst season I've ever watched basketball in general. And this is probably the third time I've ever watched the Lakers season in depth, I would say. Um, so just going into that, I mean, just looking how everything went. I mean, the way Russ did that interview, I mean, just like Shub said, um, Aaron as well, the way I kind of felt. It just looked like it was, okay, I'm going to say what I want to say, and I'm out. Like, that's how I felt, basically. And I was just mad as a fan. I was like, well, okay. I mean, you say we can give you a fair shot, but, I mean, if we're all looking at how basketball is played, I mean, you over here trying to go in to, like, four people at once, then throwing the ball up, complaining to the ref, while the other team's getting a three on the back end. Like, we lost, like, what, six consecutive games based on no effort or energy? But then we let the young guys play, and we end up winning two back-to-back based on just hustle and effort alone. So, I mean, just looking at that, that was probably the most frustrating. I mean, LeBron and AD have their faults too. I mean, AD was out injured, but, I mean, LeBron, you can and see... And forgot how to shoot. Calls. Like, I don't think enough is being made out of, like, <laughs> AD too. just flat out forgetting how to shoot. That too. Yeah, exactly, that too. AD and his three-point shot went way down compared to bubble AD. I was very disappointed with that. Um, just looking at every like everybody in general, if we don't bring Monk back, I think that's a failure. I want to have him back. But on to the, you know, if they're... Indiana or Charlotte, I'll take Indiana all day because I was already like dumbfounded because Titus said he gave another reference to Laker Nation. I was watching it live when they announced it when we got Russell Westbrook. And I'm over here joking with my buddies, like, watch us get Russ. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want Russ. I want Hill. So when it happened, yeah. I'm looking at Trevor Lane like, 
holy shit. I was like, exactly. I was like, no way. Yeah. So, I mean, Just imagine just, how Coos felt. He was halfway to Sacramento. Exactly. He was looking at real estate in Sacramento. So I was like, you know, just looking at all that. And then just from like. Wait, you know, yeah, hold on. No, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, hold on. Uh, well, I know Coos Koo, my guy, but I, is there anyone here that would rather spend time in Sacramento than Washington, D.C.? <laughs> I think That's well, imagine true. How, That's true. Coos uh, would rather, I can promise you, Coos would rather be in D.C. than Sacramento. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. No, I was just saying how he was already just like kind of like saying he thought he was going to already get traded to Sac. And I was hoping for it because I wanted healed with his shooting. I mean, and also Matthew, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I've watched him since he played for, for Virginia. So I know he has the vision. I know he has the body size. And he just has a good overall feel of the game. So thanks, Shub. I know on that. But it's just like we got to think smarter when it comes you know, to putting this roster together. Putting a whole bunch of old dudes together who are already – Hall of Famers, it kind of seemed like, like I said, just from the outside looking in, that we already know what we've done in the past. We have our accolades. We're going to do what we want to do. And if we make the playoffs, we make it. If we don't, we don't. But LeBron has to steadily keep on coming up on the stand defending himself. I mean, I can't put all the blame on LeBron, but I will put some of the blame that he did help, you know, construct construct his roster. So, I mean, I'm not going to take all the blame off LeBron, but there's still something he needs to own up to, which he did. But the way Russell Westbrook went out, I mean, after that, I don't know about other Laker fans in here, but I was like, okay, bye, Russ. You won't be uh, missed. If you if you choose to <laughs> cough on, on this on the on the response to this question, but like blink, blink, blink twice as if, if yeah. this is a hostage video, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, how funny was it yesterday, LeBron doing the whole like, look, they might reach out to me, I might give my input if they ask. It's not really my deal to do the GM thing, like. That was one of my funniest bits or one of the funniest bits from the entirety of yesterday, yesterday. Like, it was just, it was incredible. Him like, oh, no, like, it, it, look, Rob might call me. He might text me. I think I have some email in my spam uh, asking about the Russell Westbrook trade. Are you uh, telling me you, just, think, you think Rob's, you think Rob's, you think that goes to LeBron's spam is what you're telling me? <laughs> Uh, apparently, according to him, according to him, he was like, maybe maybe some of my emails to LeBron got lost. Hold on, I got to reconsider some things. Rob uh, sent him like, guys, right, Rob sent him Russ or healed, and he was like, uh, oh, sorry, new new phone, Udis. Like, what? Look, <laughs> what are we doing here? Le- yeah, look, LeBron has LeBron has <laughs> in, LeBron ha- has will have and has had input into. Um, roster decisions that's just what it is so yeah i mean like will lebron be a voice going forward yes depending how much influence he has depends on who you believe i have my own thoughts which anybody wants to dm me i can share but i will not share here but like lebron has had input before lebron will have input going forward star should yeah and he should and he should have input right and he should um, he is, and AD should. They're two of the best whatever players in the world currently. LeBron, in my opinion, is the best ever, and they should have input. It is a fair conversation how much they do have, how much they should have. I think that's a fair conversation. How good everyone is at that is also a fair conversation, but LeBron will be a voice going forward. He was a voice previously, so... I think LeBron is 
underselling his uh, his his role in decision making <laughs> for anything that happens in, in Lakers land. That was when, tremendous. That was I like he, he I, w- I was sitting there laughing through the entirety of his interview. I was just it was it was amazing. It was and look like Harrison and I talked about this on on um, my show yesterday, and we were both kind of wondering like because last year. LeBron Peace, like he he answered a few questions after the last game he was going to go to. Then he said, "I'm going to be at at uh, I think Dwayne's last game, and then I'm out. Um, and and then I'm I'm off to vacation." And I found it interesting that he was going to do an exit view exit interview at all. And you know, it turns out he showed up, and I think his first one was like five hours before everybody else's. So it it felt to me like yeah, he had the, he had that he had that nine a.m. Yes, yeah. And so he was he basically it felt to me like. You know, he recognized, look, Rob's going to say his bit. AD has already said his bit. Russ is going to give his thoughts. If I'm going to, you know, the, 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 the number one rule in PR is tell your story or else somebody else is going to tell it for you in a way that you probably aren't going to like as much. So he wanted to make sure to get his kind of line of explanation out there on the season as well. And look, LeBron, LeBron does nothing, absolutely nothing yeah. by accident. LeBron. Right. LeBron knows where all the chess pieces are. LeBron knows how everything looks. LeBron knows how everything and everyone fits into the puzzle. LeBron does nothing by accident. And that's why, like, him yesterday going, doing the whole, like, oh, well, you know, the roster happened, and, uh, you know, if they call me again this time, I'll, I'll probably, I'll definitely give my input. But, like, the whole if they call me and all that, it's just, it was it was hilarious. I found it really, really, really funny. Um, all right, we got it. We have to... Uh, wrap up here in the next 10, 15 minutes or so. So I want to talk about the coaching options that the Lakers have thus far. Um, I think right now, the only one that you can speak on specifically, Aaron, is Mark Jackson, seeing as he's not currently employed by another team. Um, everybody else, whether it's uh, Nick Nurse, whether it's Doc Rivers, whether it's uh, Juwan Howard, I guess you could technically talk about Juwan Howard because he's not employed in the NBA. Um, and then, uh, there's one, oh, Quinn Snyder is the fifth name to have seriously come up to this point. There are some on the periphery, Steve Clifford. Um, I think Mike Brown came up previously. And then, uh, Darvin Ham was another name that is an up and coming coach who should get his, uh, shot this year. But, uh, right now there are five central names, Mark Jackson being the latest to be added to this list. Um, Aaron, do you just want to laugh for like five minutes at the notion of Mark Jackson coaching the Lakers? Or... <laughs> All right. So, <sighs> oh boy, um, you can't you can't marvel at the butterfly without respecting the caterpillar, Aaron. So so uh, yeah. Um, my concern uh-huh. with Mark Jackson, not necessarily as it relates to the Lakers job or any job specifically. My concern with Mark Jackson is he was, his players loved him in Golden State, um, his only head coaching job. His players loved him. He didn't do a great job of managing uh, up or down. He didn't do a great job ownership. mm. And I thought it was funny is I would imagine most of the people in here have are fairly caught up on winning time. Um, so hopefully I'm not spoiling anything, but when, uh, Jerry West was a late, uh, excuse me, a Warriors consultant, when Mark Jackson was coaching there, 
he was kicked out of practices, much like we saw when when the Lakers in winning time went to Palm Springs and uh, Jerry West was kicked out of closed practice. So I thought that was kind of interesting and funny. But Mark Jackson's players did love him. Steph and Clay and Draymond all advocated for him and loved him. However, his last year in Golden State, uh, when they lost to the Clippers in the Donald Sterling uh, series, the Warriors that year had the 16th or 17th ranked offense in the NBA, mostly because it was a bunch of ISO stuff. It was a bunch of Harrison Barnes, uh, who was clearly not the Warriors' best offensive player, mid-post ISOs. Mark Jackson leaves. Steve Kerr comes in. Basically the same personnel. And the next season where the Warriors won a title, they were, the, to that time, the best offense in NBA history. So I think a lot of the question for Mark Jackson would be, has he taken in what he's seen in the last six or seven years since he hasn't been coaching? And would he have a more modern take on what NBA offenses look like now? I don't have an answer for that, but that would be my concern, I guess, is how I would put it. Um, Mark, ja- I have concerns about Mark Jackson. Doesn't mean he won't be a candidate. Doesn't mean he isn't a candidate. But in the interview process, I will be tangentially probably connected to it, but I probably won't be in the actual meetings and interviews. But if he is interviewed, that would be my question, concern, is that the last time he was a head coach, he did not have a particularly modern take on offense. And to be fair, the NBA has even taken a pretty big turn in a more modern direction even in the year since. So if he was not on the cutting edge then, I would be interested to hear his philosophy on what that would look like now. Yeah, and, yes, other... he, and yes, he's the only dude I can talk about because everybody else is currently employed. Uh, well, Jawan Howard is, is, is Michigan's coach. I, I don't know anything specific about the Lakers' interest, about his interest. Um, I haven't spoken with anybody in the last couple of days about that. But Jawan is going to coach, I think, both of his sons next year at Michigan. Both of his sons will be on the roster next year. So I, I imagine that would be a consideration for him. Yeah, the, the thing with Jawan obviously played with Palinka with the Fab Five at Michigan and then played in Miami with LeBron. So there are your connections there. Um, my my concern is that, like, there are other reasons that I'm not really on board with, with Mark Jackson. But um, in terms of just straight basketball, Mark Jackson being behind the times a decade ago or so, um, and then and then the times advancing further beyond that now make me nervous. We have seen the Lakers play, I, I guess I could go so far as to say, at a disadvantage, um, even with Frank Vogel, with how antiquated their offense got. And I think the Lakers seriously need to modernize. Like, why? Why? What's the point of employing Anthony Davis? Like, the if healthy and all, and if he buys into being the center. Like, the perfect modern center. Uh, LeBron James, like, the perfect modern player, somebody who helped usher in the modern era of positionless and 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 switching on, on defense and all of those things. Like, if, what's the point of employing those guys if you're going to continue to run offenses that force them back into these cubby holes, um, both literally and figuratively in terms of spacing? 
that that like the Lakers have basically the last couple seasons. So Mark Jackson, like yeah, his players uh, seem to like him, though not enough, I don't think, to go out and see his sermon. You are and, correct. You are correct. Hold on. You are correct yeah. about all of that. You're correct. Mm-hmm. However, let's be fair to Frank Vogel and That's fine. whoever may replace him. A lot of that is on the players also. That's that's I, that's definitely and and look like that might be why Mark Jackson's name is coming up here because Mark Jackson's name came up the last time the Lakers had a coaching vacancy, and that is somebody that clearly LeBron respects. Might have something to do with the fact that Mark Jackson at least at one time had clutch ties, but but yeah, that is somebody who LeBron's you know he his who, whose approach LeBron seems to respect. For me, though, like if if Nick Nurse is in any way on the table or if Quinn Snyder is any way on the table, like those are the two guys that are far and away my favorites as as the replacements here. But, you know, I'm curious to see what everybody else thinks here. So, Titus, I'll I'll start with you Uh, between uh, Nurse, Snyder, Doc, Jawan and uh, Jackson. How do you feel about the Lakers, I guess, pool as it stands right now? Well. I kind of have a sour taste in my mouth with the Frank Vogel situation. He said it best. Um, he didn't put this roster together, and I kind of felt like the way the Lakers handled the situation um, was just kind of just, you know, wrong in so many different levels. Not saying that Frank James Vogel, Worthy called it a raw deal yesterday during yeah. the interviews. Yeah. Right. And so um, that's just like if you have a job, and you know the person that had the job and the way they let go, that would kind of turn you off. Kind of like I read a report where Quinn Snyder was actually kind of mm-hmm. turned off with the whole situation about how he was let go. So I wonder, are we even going to – I mean, of course, you know, it's the Lakers. It Everybody wants to coach the Lakers, but the baggage that comes with it, and for the life of me, I don't understand why Jenny Buss allows Kurt – Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis to to make basketball executive decisions. I'll give you this example, and I'll go with the coach that I think that might benefit our team. But I think it's just going to be overshadowed by Kurt and Linda Rambis making the basketball decisions. The same thing like with Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue would have been an excellent coach for our team. Um, you know, I know people may not think he well, he's LeBron's guy. Well, the guy won a championship. And just look at what he's doing for the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George, who they just now got back, and they're in the play-in. So, um, the, those kind of those kind of decisions that they, I, I think that I hope they get it right. And I'm with you with Mark Jackson. I, I just don't think he's the guy for our team at this because we're trying to win a championship, and I don't think he's the right guy for our team based on his uh now he did good for golden state don't get me wrong he's he's one great guy he he did a great job but you know like you said you know it's all about that was what a few years ago you know and the nba has changed since when he coached um ultimately i i love quinn snyder for that reason he has basketball experience he's very fluent and uh and you know from seeing him operate with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and being able to work with bigs, I think he would be the, he would be my pick um, out of all the coaches. Now, Jawan Howard and the other guys, um, Nick Nurse would come in, would be a distance, would, would be a second 
because look how he's shaped. Look how the the Raptors they lose Kawhi Leonard, and two years removed from that championship, they bounce back and they're in the playoffs and could be a viable threat. I'm picking them Toronto to beat Philly. I like that. I think they're going to win that series. Yeah, they they're 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 a they're a liable threat to upset uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. So, but the reason why I put Quinn Snyder. Because the reason I think that if they don't succeed this year, that they are going to part ways with the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert experiment, and uh, you know, I think he's the most likely. That's why I put him in number one because he's the most likely candidate to be our next head coach. But um, and next is Nick Nurse, of course. But I don't think the Raptors are going to let him go <laughs> because I mean he's doing a fabulous job over there and he knows how to coach. I mean. He coached Kawhi, and he did a phenomenal job with that. What he's doing, and uh, not sure who my third, but I, I'm not putting my hat. I'm not hanging my hat high on our coaching search, man. It 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 just it, it starts from the front office, man, and just the just the piss poor decisions they've made down through the years. I just don't have faith in our front office at this time until. I guess either Jeannie Buss decides, look, we're going to have to part ways with Kurt and Linda Rambis. That's not happening. And, you know, I have to, you know, even if now, granted, I guess people don't like Magic because now Magic did a lot of dumb stuff. I mean, shoot, he traded a pizza Zubots for a bag of cookies. I mean, for crying out loud, literally. I mean, what was he thinking? But the point being is that it's got to come from the top, but to bring it back, Man, uh, I really like Quinn Snyder because that's the only likely option for us. So uh, Quinn Snyder won, Nick Nurse two. I'm not sure if I want to go with Juwan Howard. I, it says Juwan Howard is going to be bringing in uh, Rajon Rondo with him as like an assistant. And, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm all about experience, you know, but um Another decision that was made was when we let Jason Kidd go. Now, granted, he's doing, look at the job Jason Kidd is doing in Dallas, you know. So that was another opportunity that, you know, and I think it was reported that, not sure if it was reported that, I'm pretty sure that if Jason Kidd was still on our coaching staff, I believe Frank Vogel would have probably been fired before the trading deadline. That's just my thoughts. But again, you know, our only, really, truth being, our only option is Quinn Snyder, and I'm pretty sure them and the Utah Jazz are going to part ways after the season if they don't make a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, so, um, uh, I, the the notion of the Lakers, uh, you know, being nervous about the Lakers holding another coaching search here is an interesting one because that's that's something that I've landed on myself where I remember the last coaching search. <laughs> it was not it was not fun to cover where. Uh, you know, you, you had Monty Williams was, was a potential candidate and then he got so fed up with how long it was taking that he went to Phoenix and then you had Ty Lue as a candidate and he thought he had that figured out. He even had that, uh, birthday cake, uh, that he put out on his Instagram. And then, uh, it turns out the Lakers didn't want to offer him an ex a, a fourth year on that contract and wanted to control who was on his bench. Uh, so that winds up falling through. Unfortunately, it works out with Frank Vogel. Um, so sometimes bad process can still lead to, to good results as the Lakers win a championship. 
But then, as evidenced by the way that they treated Frank Vogel after the championship, it doesn't tell me that they necessarily value coaches in the way that they maybe should. So, um, KB Brown, like, are, are, are you how are you nervous? Like, how confident are you heading into a coaching search here? Okay, so all I can say is, for one, I'll go with Nick Nurse is my okay. one, and then Quinn Snyder is my mm-hmm. two, Mark Jackson is my third, and Juwan, Juwan Howard as my fourth because he's going to coach his sons. I agree with Aaron. Um, all I got to say is, for a side note, look at my profile pic. That is how worried I am <laughs> with the Lakers roster. That's how worried I am because we're not giving – I know. That's I'm, good. I'm just saying because we're not giving these head coaches that we hire – Freedom reign. I was to just at least pick for their own benches. I was I was rooting for Lou Ty Lu to get him so he can actually have his own bench and control what he can control. But once they took that control from him, Linda and Ram- and Kurt Rambis, they scare me. That's why I'm not hopeful about what we're gonna do this offseason because I'm a little nervous. Who are we gonna get? And then again, is it gonna be the same mishap as last this year? That is what I'm worried about the most. But that's all I wanted to say with that. Um, other than that, yeah, I would pick Quinn Snyder. I mean, uh, Nick Nurse is my first because I think he can pretty much hold all and every player accountable. It looked like Vogel was scared at some at times to you know to call people out, but maybe he couldn't because of the the front office. Um, Aaron, the the look last time again, the Lakers held a coaching search. Uh, they asked Ty Lue to have Kurt Rambis on the staff reportedly, and he instead chose to remain unemployed. Um, the, the notion that the concern that I might have and fans might have about the Lakers holding a coaching search um, in a more professional manner here, have they? do you think they've learned anything from how the last coaching search went? And then, I mean, their, their treatment of Frank Vogel would indicate to me, no, they haven't, but... Like, am, am I am I blowing that out of proportions, or is this something that like it's fair to be a little nervous about? Uh, I think that. Well, first, I think Hennessy yep. is delicious. Um, I think that. Look, I think I think it is fair because of how the last um, two seasons have gone. I think it is fair to ask difficult questions of the Lakers front office. Um, but as I say here all the time on our show, on these spaces and all kinds of other stuff that Hennessy's I do. delicious. I, I do say Hennessy okay. is delicious because it is. <laughs> uh, but I also say that, like, I think we need to separate some things. One, like the notion that Linda is making basketball decisions, I think is silly because she's not. Um, Kurt, whatever you think of him, he has the bona fides to be a voice in, in basketball decisions. Whatever you think of how, what kind of voice he should have, how he got the voice, fine. But he played for the Lakers, won titles, has been in front offices, has coached. So I think that it is fair for him to be a voice. And Linda is not making basketball decisions. Now, as it relates to anything learned about the coaching uh, the the hiring of coaches. Look, I think it is fair for Lakers fans to ask questions. However, I would also point out that for however the Lakers got to, the securitist route, if you want, that got to Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel coached this team to an NBA championship 
whatever, 18, 19 months ago. So I think some of the the consternation, while I understand some of it, I think some of it is overblown and maybe even performative. But this is a very, very important hire as it relates to like Lakers history and going forward. Because everybody around the Lakers, Lakers fans, uh, people that work for the Lakers, people that are in the front office, ownership, etc., are obsessed with one more title with 18, one more title than the Celtics. And while the Lakers still have Anthony Davis and still have LeBron James in this window, I think it is crucial. So I think it is fair to ask those questions. Um, and yeah, we're about to find out what Rob and what Kurt and what Jeannie and Joey and Jesse and me and all everybody else has learned from the past couple years. And I think it is a fair, I think it is a fair question to ask, but let's also not forget that the Lakers won a title 18, 19 months ago. And then immediately tore down the roster and has since fired the coach who won them that title. Uh, I would like to point out that the Lakers <laughs> won a title. <laughs> Everything no, you liked about that roster, and gone. By the way, it's, by the way it's, it, is, it is one of the things that excites me most about however involved I am and about working for the Lakers it, because there is an expectation of win a title every year or we don't care. And, and is that realistic? No, but it's well, also but, great. But it's also great because it holds but people they to a been, standard. They haven't been competitive either, though. Like, all right, so they, they were good, and then they got hurt the year after. And then this season, like, they weren't competitive. They were never a serious contender this year. Correct, correct. So no, it's, like, no, it's, not, it's no. not even like expecting them to win championships. Like, don't be a dumpster fire. Like, that'd no. be nice. Look, I'm holding up – nobody can see me here, but I'm holding up air quotes. Right. We, in air quotes – we're not good enough this year. Plain, simple and plain, simple mm-hmm. and plain. The off season wasn't good enough. Last year, after the title, yeah, it's not. Fair. That's a different question, right? Yeah. I, I like the the injuries and all of that is reasonable last year. Much they they so, had a month off. That's fine. Much more so. They were than better I think, last year though, with a month off than they were this year with two. Much more so than. I think, and I'm, I, I promise everybody in here, I am going to work against this if this is anybody's actual thought. If anybody, I didn't love AD's comments from the last few interviews he's done because he was highlighting injuries. And I think injuries were a factor in the failure of this season. I think you could even say they were the primary factor, but they weren't the only factor. Mm. And I don't... I don't love AD's comments making it seem like they were the factor. Were they a factor? Yes. Were they the factor? Not in my opinion. So last year, I'm with that. Because before all the injuries struck, the Lakers were among the top couple seeds in the West. This year, even with everybody healthy, the team was not as good as the last two years. So what I will promise you and what I will promise everybody out there is that at least from my perspective, the injuries were not the only factor. Were the injuries a factor? Yes. Were they the main factor? Maybe, maybe not. But that is not going to be lost on this offseason. So, and to be fair, again, this team won a title 
not not too long ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I, this offseason was not good. It just plainly wasn't. And this team wasn't good. Were injuries a factor? Yes. But I personally, for whatever voice I have, don't think injuries were even the greatest factor, were even the main factor. The team wasn't good enough. So, yeah, let's let's see what happens going forward. This is why it's fun. I also... I think it is important that we do these things and that Lakers fans make their opinion known because this wasn't good enough. And it's part of what drives me. It's part of what drives everybody that the standard is what it is. And that's a good thing. Holding people accountable and having the standard be what it is, I think is a positive thing because this plainly wasn't good enough this year. You also have to talk to me at the end of every week. I do. So I do. Like... I do. And you always hate everything. <laughs> so like... <laughs> and Aaron, you bring yeah. up such a good point on that final point. I was going to say something else, but that kind of standard and that kind of accountability is what has been like the friction, just talking from a community standpoint um, about the fans that migrated, migrated here to support Russ, right? Is that level of accountability and the expectation it's never been passed on like to any organization unlike any other. So that was a foreign concept to them where over here, when we support our team, there is a sense of responsibility. There's a sense of, you know, urgency. There is a sense of self-awareness that comes with everything that involves each person that that's involved. And if, if this group of people is here supporting their player, there's, here's what comes with that. If, if they're going to be a Los Angeles Laker, that's why I was, you know, I was pretty, you know, uh, okay with Rob Rob's uh, exit interview where he was taking accountability and, and constantly saying, this is not what the fans deserve. We need to do better. It rests on my shoulders. Things like that is what fans want to hear, even though you messed up and we're going to need to see actions. It, it makes us feel assured. And that's, that's all we want. That's all we want. So I think there's one I, other thing that's really important here is that. Can we also laugh though at the notion of like Rob Palenka saying today isn't the day to point fingers as he is there literally pointing a finger at the person he just fired? Like, can we can we chuckle a little bit? You, you can, can laugh do it, a little. Bit. You can do whatever. It's you ironic. Want. Well, so here's so here's the other thing I want to point out. Here's what I will promise you, me and everybody else that is involved. I'm certainly like less of a voice than a lot of other people or a handful of other people. But everybody involved cares and everybody involved wants to win at the highest levels and everybody understands and hears what, what fans are saying and y'all are, y'all aren't wrong. However, even with the best intentions, there can be different ideas about how to get there. And that is where like that, I think over this summer is what is going to really matter as far as building out the next roster trades Lakers don't have any draft picks presently, but as far as signing guys and free agents or, or, you know, recruiting guys as, as undrafted free agents like that, it worked with Austin Reeves, et cetera. So there are going to be differences of opinions. Even fans among each other have differences of opinions. People in the front office are going to have differences of opinions about how to get there. But the one thing I can promise you is everybody wants to get there. All right, uh, that is going to do it here for this one. We are an hour and 20 minutes in. I have to edit and post this onto the Silver Screen and Roll Network, um, where you can find this as well as all of the other podcasts that we post there um, every single weekday, sometimes on weekends as we head into this off season. Thank you guys, everybody, for those of you who uh, chimed in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And until next week, I'm Anthony Irwin, and I'll talk to you then.